0: 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 16 and 17. Then we'll drop down to verse 25 from the Bible in basic English. Let's read together. Then Josiah, turning round, saw on the mountain the places of the dead. And he sent, and he had the bones taken out of their places and burned on the altar, so making it unclean, As the Lord had said by the man of God, when Jeroboam was in his place by the altar on that feast day, and he, turning his eyes to the resting place of the man of God, who had given word of these things, said, What is that headstone I see over there? And the men of the town said to him, It is the resting place of the man of God who came from Judah and gave word of all these things which you have done to the altar of Bethel. Never before had there been a king like Josiah turning to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his power as the law of Moses says." I want you to take note, please, in verse 16, the first part of that verse, Josiah turning round. Josiah turning round. And then the latter part of the verse, turning his eyes. Turning his eyes. Verse 25, turning to the Lord with all his heart, soul, and all his power. Josiah turning round, turning his eyes, turning to the Lord with all his heart, soul, and all his power. The word turning, appearing these three times in these passages, perfectly describes the key to Josiah's amazing life and his kingship. Turning. Turning round, turning his eyes, turning to the Lord. This was not a momentary action. It was not a casual exercise. He turned to God, the Bible says, with all his heart, all his soul, and all his power. This triple enumeration or list the heart, the reference to the heart, the soul, and the power. It includes the whole moral and mental nature of this man. This wasn't something shallow or something just in a moment, as we mentioned. This triple enumeration or list, the heart, the soul, the power, when you study that out, it means the whole mental and moral nature of this man, all the energies of his understanding of his will and even his physical vitality or strength. Now, to get the picture here, we need to go back several hundred years in fact, 326 years earlier. Jeroboam, whom we read of in our text, 326 years earlier, Jeroboam, king over the northern ten tribes of Israel, had two golden calves fashioned and an altar built in Bethel. He took both of the golden calves, and he put one in the north part of Israel, one in the south, and then in Bethel, southern part of Israel, he built an altar. He set up false priests, and he led the nation of God's people into idol worship. And at Bethel, at the dedication of the altar, as he's making sacrifice, Dedicating this altar in Bethel, 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 2 tells us that an unknown prophet showed up, declaring, he showed up at that very moment, declaring that the altar would split in half by God's power and that the ashes would pour out, which transpired immediately. And then this unknown prophet prophesied in 1 Kings 13, 2, that a child named Josiah, one of the most powerful and accurate prophecies in the Bible, by calling 300 years before, over 300 years before, he named Josiah. He prophesied that a child named Josiah would be born into the dynasty of David and would sacrifice the priest from pagan shrines. I think I have that scripture written out for you, 1 Kings 13, 2. By a command of the Lord, this man condemned the altar, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. There will be a son born in David's family line. His name will be Josiah. Here on you, Josiah, on the altar, Josiah will sacrifice the priests from the illegal worship sites who sacrifice, who offer sacrifices on you. Human bones will be burned on you. Over three centuries later, this prophecy would be fulfilled as Josiah, the king, having recently discovered the law of Moses, and had it read to him, the Bible says he turned to the Lord. And then he required his leaders and the entire nation to assemble at the temple, at the house of God. And as he stood by the pillar, he read, the Bible says he, the first time he had it read to him by his secretary, Shaphan. And now with the whole nation gathered together, all of his leaders and the entire nation of Judah, he stood by the pillar in the temple of God and he read aloud to the entire nation and his leadership base. And then Josiah began to purge the entire land of Judah, killing all the pagan priests. He reformed the entire part of Judah, his reforms even extended into Samaria, into the northern kingdom of Israel, because Israel is divided at this point in time for hundreds of years. To the north, we have Israel. To the south, we have Judah. His reforms extended even into Samaria, into the northern kingdom, and it was there that he turns, as we read in our in our text, he turns toward the mountain. And that mountain was the high place of Asherah. Asherah, this is, this is the, the God, the Canaanite God of fertility, of sun and storm. Asherah was the mother of Baal, the Canaanite God, Asherah. And in his reforms, he, Josiah not only reforms all of Judah, but he goes into the northern kingdom of Israel, and he turns toward the mountain, the high place of Asherah, and there he empties the graves of all the false priests, and he empties the graves of their bones, and he burns them on this altar at Bethel. Just before he destroys that altar, in, a, in accordance to the word of God that was prophesied over 300 years earlier. By turning to God in repentance and by returning to God's word, Josiah led his nation back to God. By turning to God in repentance and by turning or returning. To the book of the law, returning to God's word with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his power, Josiah leads his nation back to God. And Judah encountered a supernatural breakthrough over centuries of cultish practices. Over centuries of cultish practices, Judah encountered a supernatural breakthrough, returning to the worship of Jehovah, even seeing the reforms and the revival extend into the nation of Israel, all because of repentance and returning to the Word of God. Breakthroughs extended to us. This is part three today. Breakthroughs extended. Our theme for 2024 is breakthroughs extended. It's not over yet. Come on. And we're receiving insight and we're coming to understand and learn today. And throughout these Sundays of bringing and introducing this theme to us, we're grasping what God is really requiring of us to see breakthroughs extended into our lives. Today, I'm taking us to Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 8 and 9. And I want to begin. We will not complete this today. We will pick it up again next Sunday. But I want to begin today, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 8 and 9. When God your God enlarges your land, extending its borders as He solemnly promised your ancestors, by giving you the whole land that he promised them, because you are diligently living the way I'm commanding you today, namely to love God, your God, and do what he tells you all your life. And when that happens, then add three more to these three cities." I'm going to read that again. When God your God enlarges your land, extending its borders as he solemnly promised your ancestors by giving you the whole land he promised them, because you are diligently living the way I'm commanding you today, namely to love God your God and do what he tells you all your life. And when that happens... Then add three more to these three cities. Notice these words in the final part of verse 9. Add three more to these three cities. Add three more to these three cities. I'm going to begin ministering today a message I've never ministered at Lighthouse before. So excited. I'm so stirred. Add three more to these three cities. Upon entering Israel, the Promised Land, God through Moses commanded that the moment they enter the promised land, that there be cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. Designated places where the guilty, the condemned, and even the suspected could run to. God commanded through Moses that upon entrance into the promised land, when God, your God, enlarges your land, extending its borders, as He solemnly promised your ancestors by giving you the whole land He promised them, when that happens and you begin to live, God says, You begin to live, diligently live by the way I'm commanding you today, loving your God and doing what He tells you with all your life. Then when that happens, add three more to these three cities. God commanded upon their entrance into the promised land that there be cities of refuge. Designated cities are places where the guilty, the condemned, and even the suspected could run to. Cities of refuge were a gracious provision of God for the Israelites that is grounded both in His justice and in His mercy. The cities provided safety. They provided protection. Needed processes. Restoration, the outworking of the law. This is what the cities of refuge provided safety, a safe place, protection, needed processes, restoration, and the outworking of the law. If you jump over to Joshua chapter 20, you will find that six cities, after the children of Israel entered the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 20, six cities, in accordance to the word of God, the command of God through Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 19 that we've just read, Joshua set up six cities three on each side of the Jordan River. And Jewish historians reveal some amazing facts about these cities that I want to take a few moments with you and just focus in on these cities of refuge. Jewish historians reveal, first of all, that the roads leading to the cities of refuge were always kept in thorough repair. They were always kept in thorough repair. And they were required, listen to this, the roads to these six cities were required to be 14 meters wide. They had to be 14 meters wide almost 40 feet wide. And the reason was that it would allow for no confusion to the right destination. That there would be no confusion. No other road had this kind of width. They had to be 14 meters wide so there would be no confusion That this is a road leading to the city of refuge. Secondly, all obstructions in that road were removed that might cause the one fleeing to be tripped up, or obstructions that would hinder his speed. All obstructions had to be moved or removed that might cause the one fleeing to the city to be tripped up or to slow him down to hinder his speed thirdly all hills to the city were removed any hill regardless the size was removed the roads were flat The roads had to be flat. No hills. No river was allowed over which there was not a bridge. No river was allowed over which there was not a bridge to the city of refuge. Fourthly, at every turning... And at every crossroads, there were signposts bearing the words, Refuge, Refuge. At every turning, at every crossroads, there were signposts bearing the words, Refuge, Refuge. Fifthly, Upon arrival, a dwelling place would be assigned to the fleer. Upon arrival at the city of refuge, a place of dwelling, of habitation, would be assigned to the fleer. And finally, the citizens of the city were to teach him some trade that he might support himself. The citizens of the city were to teach him some trade that he might support himself. Now, very importantly, church, listen. These cities had to be close by. They had to be local. Everybody said local. So everyone could reach them and not be taken over by the ones chasing them because the cities were too far. If they were too far, they could be overtaken by the ones chasing them. Listen to me, church. God has always been our safe place. And he has always provided a safe place. God wants his people safe from the enemy. Safe from the lion who's roaring and chasing to devour. Listen to this scripture, Psalm chapter 9, verse 9 from the Amplified Classic. The Lord also will be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed. A refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble, high cost, destitution, and desperation. The Lord also will be a refuge and a high tower For the oppressed, a refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble, high cost, destitution, and desperation. Can we praise Him? Can we glorify Him today? I love this from the message. It says, God's, this is Psalm 9. Nine and ten from the message. God's a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. The moment you arrive, you relax. You're never sorry you knocked. Wow. God's a safe house for the battered, a sanctuary during bad times. The moment you arrive, you relax. You're never sorry, you're knocked. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, and then verses 22 through 23, God's word translation. You will also know the unlimited greatness of His power as it works with might and strength for us, for us, the believers. God has put everything under the control of Christ. He has made Christ the head of everything. For the good of the church, the church is Christ's body and completes Him as He fills everything in every way. You will also know the unlimited greatness of His power as it works with might and strength for us, the believers. God has put everything under the control of Christ. He has made Christ the head of everything for the good of the church. The church is Christ's body and completes him as he fills everything in every way. I love this. His power he put under the control of Christ, and the outworking of that strength is through Christ's body, the church. The church. The church is the local city of refuge. The city of refuge had to be local. And the local city of refuge is the church of Jesus Christ. It's the place of safety. It's the place of protection. It's the place where Christ is the head. Christ is the head and where The might and the strength of God's power is worked through his body, the church, the family, the community. So, for breakthroughs to be extended to us in 2024, those breakthroughs will come to us by returning to the refuge. By returning to the refuge. Breakthroughs extended require repentance. Breakthroughs extended require that we return to the Word. Breakthroughs extended will be ours by returning to the refuge. Now let me preach. The church is not man's idea. It is God's idea. It is a place where all the guilty... Anybody guilty here today? Yes, we're all guilty. Every hand should be up in this room. It is a place where all the guilty, where all who are suffering from condemnation and where those who are being pursued can come and take refuge. You see, it's not God's heart for you to take this journey on your own. It has never been God's heart for you to take this journey on your own. Certainly you can learn a lot by reading books or watching sermons online, but God's heart is for you to be part of a community of faith. Like a refugee camp, a shelter. It is a place of safety. It is a place of asylum. It is a place of preservation, of provision, of resources, of training. Like a refugee camp, the church is a place of safety. It's an asylum. It's a preservation. It's a place of provision. It's a place of resources. The church is a place of training. It's a hiding place. It's a fortress. It's a place of defense. And processes. It's a place of processes. Processes, processed as we go through the process. Processes, processed as we go through the process. That's a place of belonging, it's a place of community. It's a place of family. It's a place that we run to. It's our safe place. It's the safe place for those who are in war, those who are waiting to go home. Oh, listen to that. Christ is the safe place. Our church is the safe place for those in war, those who are waiting to go home. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again, or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Come on, that's church. You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Oh, we have to have the church. We have to have the church. We cannot forsake the church in this hour of battle. And when the war is raging, we must come together and fight as citizens of heaven, standing together in our safe place, in our place of refuge. Thank God for this city of refuge in which God has placed you. Thank God for this city of refuge in which God has placed us. Our place of resource. Our place of provision. Our place of protection. Listen guys, we're at war and we're not yet home. And God has given us a refuge. God has given us a community. God has given us a bunker. God has given us a place of retreat, a place of refuge, a place we can run to when we're being pursued, when forces are after us. Come on, we're not alone. We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. We're not meant to grow our faith by watching YouTube. We're at war, everybody. And we are not yet home. And God has given us a refuge, a community, a bunker. Your biggest advantage in war is being positioned in the stronghold. Listen to this. Your biggest advantage in war is being positioned in the stronghold, the strong place, the refuge. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will fall in love again with the church. The church of Jesus Christ. The local assembly where God has planted you. I pray that God will give you a renewed love and passion. Because I believe breakthroughs will be extended when we return to the refuge with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our power, like Josiah. That it will not become a traditional thing with us. That we are the family of God, knit together as one. That God by His power, God by His Spirit, will knit and bind our hearts together as His people who are waging war against the forces of darkness that are seeking to overthrow and destroy. But thanks be to God, by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony, we have overcome in Jesus' name and we are the people of God. Your biggest advantage in war is to be positioned in the stronghold, the refuge, the strong place. Likewise, the opposite is also true. The place that you are most vulnerable, the place that you are the weakest and in most danger in war is in being isolated, in being cut off from resource and safety and to be out on your own. As I prepared this word for us today, I fell in love again with Nairobi Lighthouse Church. I fell in love again with my city of refuge. I fell in love again with the family that God has given us and connected us to. You may be here today, and you may not even be part of a local church. You may not have. You're kind of out on your own you kind of feel alone and you're trying to do this by yourself. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you that God would give you a family that you can connect, that that becomes your place of resource, your safe place. Now listen, because of all of our imperfections, which every family has imperfections, You cannot be raised in a family without being hurt by someone in that family. It is impossible. In life, consider your own family, your own natural family. You can't tell me that you've gone through your whole family life from the time you were young until now and someone in that family maybe more than one caused a wound or caused pain disappointment and heartache does that mean we say goodbye to our family does that mean we cut ourselves off and say i no longer need you come on god has designated us as an Nairobi lighthouse church along with the hundreds and hundreds of other gospel preaching churches, local churches in this city to be a city of refuge. And if this is where God has placed you, please forgive us for any imperfection or any hurt or anything that anyone has caused you. But please don't leave the city of refuge where God has placed you if you do move from this house and you do move into another family please don't speak ill of us we're doing our absolute best please don't bad mouth or say something about this house because of our imperfections Let's stay focused on the city of refuge and where God has placed us. If you're here and you're not part of a local community, of a local body of Christ, a local church, come on, these cities of refuge were to be placed where it could be easy access, the road flat, the road wide, bridges put in place, obstructions removed, signpost put in place, (laughs) training once you got there, a dwelling once you got there, a place where you know I belong. I have that sense of belonging. If you're here and perhaps you've been wounded, perhaps you've been hurt by another family member, I'm not talking your natural family, I'm talking spiritual family right now. And you've had a tendency to give up on the church. You've had a tendency to quit. You've had a tendency to run away from the city of refuge. I want to pray for you right now. So two types of response I'm after in this time of ministry. First, if you don't have a city of refuge, I want you to pray about connecting with a city. Of refuge, this is a great one. Not perfect, but it's a great one. And if you're here today and you're carrying a wound or you're carrying a hurt by the citizenry, the citizens of the city, one of those citizens, or maybe more, have said or taken action. And you're wounded, I wanna pray for you right now. In either two, either one or two or both of these categories, I want us to pray right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, look upon your people right now. Look upon us, your army, oh God. In this local assembly, in this local house, I pray for the healing balm of Gilead. I pray for the mighty work of the Holy Spirit to come, rush in upon us, God. Come, Holy Spirit, and heal every wounded heart, every wounded soul, my God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would reveal to us, God, once more the power and the beauty of the local city of refuge, the local house of God. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that we would be like Josiah and stand by the pillar. Stand by the pillar, O God, that we would move... In accordance to obedience by the word of the Lord, that we would stay where you have planted us, O oh God. And if we've not yet been planted, lead us by the Holy Spirit to connect and be part of the family of God and the community of God. I thank you right now, Father. Every person that has said or hurt, taken an action against us, God, give us the grace right now to forgive. Give us the ability by the grace of God to forgive and to release. None of us are perfect, oh God. And I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, will heal as we release today in Jesus' name. And so that we might continue to fight the good fight of faith together and move forward until we go home. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, I feel Jesus in this house. The head of the church. The head of the church. Hey, everybody, Do you receive this today? Come on. Can you take hold of this today? Can we appreciate one more time the city of refuge? Thank you. God bless you.